Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Once upon a time, at the height of the Cold War, regional alliances were easily pictured. On one half of the court stood the United States, with Turkey as a NATO member, Iran as the guardian of the Persian Gulf, and Israel as the strongest power in the eastern Mediterranean. Also on this list, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, and at times weak Lebanon. On the other side, the Soviet Union, with the more radical Arab states such as Iraq, Syria, and South Yemen. Egypt moved towards the Western camp just as Iran moved out of it. That was then, but now it is much more difficult to freeze-frame the state of the alliances in the Middle East. Israel is, of course, a stalwart American partner, and so is Egypt under the current regime. But Turkey and Saudi Arabia, could they be safely said to belong there? And are Iran and Syria friends with each other or mere Russian clients? And what is China's role in this game? In an attempt to make sense of it all, we're joined from elsewhere here in the city by Mr. Eran Etzion, who is the former deputy head of Israel's National Security Council. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thanks for having me. Also joining us from elsewhere in the city is Dr. O'Neill Bohms, who is a research fellow at the Moshe Dayan Center at Tel Aviv University. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Here. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 editor-at-large and host of Watchmen Talk, Powers in Play, and so much more, Mr. Amir Oren. Amil, you have a very tough task. Let's start and dissect uh, what is actually happening with the whole composition within the Middle East. So any such uh, discussion must start uh, with defining alliances and especially their uh, motives, uh, the intention behind um, such alliances. Are they for something or against uh, someone? And usually, of course, uh, whoever uh, wants to have an alliance uh, wouldn't want to uh, portray it uh, in negative terms. If you have it, uh, for instance, in, uh, in Latin America or, or the Western Hemisphere um, at large, you call it an alliance for progress. But here in our region, obviously, uh, it is against some common adversary, some common enemy. And the United States um, still wants to be the uh, main force behind an alliance of moderate local states, such as, and you started to tick them off, Israel, Egypt, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, and perhaps others, uh, Jordan, against both um, the encroachment of China against Daesh um, and uh, against Iran. Now, the problem is, if you have allies um, in one parameter, you are going to lose an ally in another one. Turkey and the opposition in Syria are a case in point. The Turks uh, are with the Americans against the Russians, uh, to some degree, not um, uh, as they used to be during the Cold War, but nevertheless, if the Americans have to count them on their side, uh, they can, vis-a-vis um, -vis the uh, war in Ukraine or even Russia in general. But Turkey is not with the Americans in Syria 
um, because um, they would like to uh, have some rapprochement with Bashar Assad so that they can fight uh, the uh, Syrian democratic forces, who are mostly uh, Kurdish. This is just one example. And uh, there are, of course, uh, regional or sub-regional alliances, such as the Gulf Cooperation Council, or those countries uh, which, following the Abraham Accords, have uh, some uh, defense relations, again, based on the American Central Command. And just uh, to mention it briefly, um, in recent days, there was um, quite a large military exercise held between the Central Command and the Israeli Defense Forces, but not in the Central Command area of responsibility, but rather in the Eastern Mediterranean, where CENTCOM has several partners, Egypt, Israel, Lebanon, and even Syria falls under the jurisdiction of CENTCOM. But it is the waters um, uh, you should uh, um, look at uh, UCOM and the Sixth Fleet, usually, if you are uh, trying to... UCOM being, of course, European Command. European Command. If we dissect, however, everything, uh, on the one hand, we have Turkey, which, as you say, is somewhat precarious uh, at times with the United States. But on the other hand, the closest ally of Turkey, Qatar, happens to be a major non-NATO ally of the United States, just designated recently uh, by uh, the Biden administration as such. So it seems like nothing is truly clear. There are partners, there are strategic partners, there are alliances, there are strategic alliances, and we can uh, continue there. But if we zoom out and try to uh, pro uh, provide a holistic view of everything, uh, uh, Mr. Etzion, I'd like to start with you. Is strategic power competition at this stage uh, the the cornerstone for all alliances in the region? Is that what drives the various partnerships that we're talking about? Russia, China, the United States? I'm not even sure we can say that. Um, I think we can say that <clears throat> alliances, by and large, are not what they used to be, or at least what not what they used to be <clears throat> perceived as <clears throat> in terms of stability and uh, sustainability. Things are moving much faster now. Everything is much more fluid. It looks more like quicksand than uh, 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 any kind of a solid rock type of, uh, of uh, alliances, if there are ever were ones. And I think uh, one of the primary forces that are driving this are actually forces of nature as they race against technology. Because if you look at uh, all the major actors in the region, certainly in the Gulf, they know that they're living on borrowed time in terms of their kind of business model, if you will, which is obviously oil-based. And they know that it's only a question of time, and in historical terms, a very short span of time, that th this business model will uh, bring them to bankruptcy. So what they're trying to do is to shift their economies and their societies from dependency on oil to a variety of, of other uh, businesses or business models. And the degree to which they will succeed, which of course is a huge question, will determine the uh, short to medium term in historical terms, I'm talking about decades from now, of um, these uh, so-called major powers in the region like Saudi, and the smaller, more agile powers like Qatar, 
in essentially all the Gulf countries. Um, not, not exactly the same goes for Iran, because Iran does have different sources of, of regional and even potentially global power. It's an ancient civilization, you know, we won't go into all the, the detail. But uh, Iran and Turkey are looking much more formidable in, in historical terms than, say, uh, forces like Saudi Arabia or Egypt, which has its own set of trouble. So what it, what it amounts to in terms of regional and global alliances is, I would say, you know, beneath it all, there is a sense of desperation. Um, at least uh, when it comes to those actors that, you know, are looking uh, warringly at, at uh, the, the time that is running out for their uh, regimes and for their, uh, again, business models. And this brings them to uh, a policy which is uh, uh, sometimes uh, hard to follow, shifts a lot, um, brings about um, questionable moves. And of course, uh, when we say that, we, we, all of us, I guess, are thinking about MBS and the assassination of Khashoggi and a number of other uh, bizarre moves that he already made. Um, and I think uh, this is what we are seeing now. Uh, and this is what we will see in the future. And uh, nobody feels safe, or at least uh, nobody should feel safe. And no alliance should be understood as uh, strong and long lasting. Um, everything is up for grabs. Everything is being tested. Um, and I think most, if not all of the actors recognize that. Uh, perhaps a final word about Israel. <clears throat> um, Another um, very strong and upcoming um, dividing line between alliances and actors uh, is very quickly becoming the line of uh, the, the, the nature of the regime in terms of the uh, core tenets of democracy. And while it used to be um, an undoubted fact that Israel is the only democracy in the region, of course it belongs with the American uh, and European camp, liberal democracies and so on. This is now coming into question um, and a very, in a very serious and unprecedented way. And even, so even that is not something that we can now take for granted, not as Israelis, not as outside observers, not if you sit uh, in Washington, D.C. or in Brussels. Um, and that is a new factor that uh, has come into play and I think will continue to, to play a very significant role in the foreseeable future. Of course, we're talking about a period uh, and a developing story here in uh, Israel domestically, uh, which is still going either way, and, and there are still many variables that uh, uh, should be identified and recognized uh, at this stage. Uh, from what I hear, at least from Washington, D.C., they're not ultimately too concerned, but they're cautiously observing the situation. Uh, Dr. Bones, I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on the, the various alliances. Of course, uh, we just heard a, a very clear and, and uh, um, holistic view of, of the variables here in the Middle East. But when we dive deeper into uh, the, the various points that uh, uh, Mr. Etzion mentioned, uh, we can also identify that within the transition uh, that is driven by the West uh, of going from the, the regular energy platforms of oil and, and various uh, other fuels uh, into the more renewable energies, which cost more money, this is now being exploited by China, by Russia, which are identifying the Middle East 
not only as the, the uh, a major source of energy, but also the most significant source of energy for their goods, uh, something that they're not shying away from. And this, again, is being exploited by nations here in the Middle East that we see uh, the, the uh, various officials coming from Russia, from uh, the, the uh, Republic of China, the People's Republic of China, to this region and are seeking or courting this region in a manner that was unprecedented until just recently. Very true, Jonathan. And we need to remind ourselves that uh, for quite some time we living uh, we live in a multipolar world. Uh, so following the days of old uh, where there was the Cold War and, and superpowers uh, and where one needs to pick one camp, uh, the superpowers became weaker and more uh, uh, regional, regionally based. Uh, and also they, in many ways, certainly with the truth of the United States, they became less active, which had brought the regional players to understand that in, in order to deal with their own interests, they, they, need, they need to adopt a more uh, active role. They need to deal with some of their own problems because the superpowers or the regional stakeholders that uh, they may have relied on would not necessarily be there. Um, and there are some other issues, uh, including energy, global warming, climate, uh, that have become more pertinent in the last few uh, years uh, that simply became more uh, important and significant because of uh, the, the economic nature. We are looking at a significant increase uh, 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 in the uh, uh, various indicators, uh, the economic indicators and, and inflations and failed economies on the one hand and increasing prices, uh, which brings... Uh, countries like Turkey now to realize they need to change their policy that brings countries in the Gulf to understand that they need to continue with their long-term uh, planning. Um, and that brings issues such as the Eastern Mediterranean very much into the uh, forum. Uh, so you've mentioned in your introduction the uh, regional Middle East uh, gas forum that became a very important a uh, place in where uh, partners gather and discuss issues of energy. It used to be that uh, only uh, groups like APEC, uh, where uh, OPEC, the uh, oil cartels, used to be to have the, the the last word on such issues. But all of a sudden now, when we have more gas, and recently we have seen more uh, uh, potential resources identified uh, in. Israel, uh, in Egypt, and then potentially also in Lebanon, something that contributed to uh, a very significant maritime agreement. And now the Turks, part of their attempt to change uh, policy is to figure out maybe they will be able to now collaborate rather than to uh, uh, confront other regional regional uh, players because they desperately need uh, to be a part of the energy market. They desperately need to uh, uh, revitalize their economy and then, and therefore, they need to potentially change direction. Uh, all of these uh, uh, pieces are really coming uh, more from a regional perspective. Of course, the uh, the superpowers still play a role, uh, but some of it is actually happening actually because the super the superpowers are playing lesser of a role. When the U.S. has been uh, leading from behind and then busy in making America great again, they've had perhaps a little less time to the you know for the Middle East and have disappointed some of their allies here, who had realized that they need to create additional alliances. The Abraham Accords uh, created really an alliance of uh, moderates in the region um, that have already significantly increased the balance of trade. Uh, we've just seen the the, the data 
uh, from 2022, really doubling uh, the, the trade between Israel and the UAE alone. Um, and we've seen also significant increases uh, when it comes to Morocco and Bahrain. Uh, we've seen attempts to create regional uh, energy projects, such as the one uh, that, that deals with uh, energy and water, will provide some solutions to Israel, Jordan, and the uh, Palestinians. And all of these directions are attempt uh, as, as part and parcel of the new access of uh, some of the moderate uh, uh, players that are now able to work together. What used to be Israel against the Arab world, now it's Israel and the Arab world working together uh, in order to uh, bring the Middle East uh, forward. And that's uh, a direction that was endorsed and in many ways uh, harnessed by uh, the uh, Abraham Accords, uh, and with some hope uh, that's perhaps is one of the positive signs that enables this collaboration to continue. And here I may disagree uh, with my colleague, with Iran, uh, even despite some of what is happening domestically in Israel. I think for the region, uh, some of this is far more uh, important and will continue irrespective of some of the domestic changes that may happen in Israel as well as some other countries uh, in the region and, and in, a, in a broader sense as well. Jonathan, let me make uh, two uh, related uh, points. Go ahead. Uh, one has to do with the concept of uh, umbrellas. The alliances uh, headed uh, either by the United States or the Soviet Union during the Cold War were supposed to be umbrellas. And that is, they are pointing or they have pointed upwards against the rain. But puddles make your feet wet, where umbrellas cannot help you. And if you have problems like Daesh or other local uh, terror organizations or guerrilla operations, the umbrella uh, will not uh, help you. And therefore, they had uh, to be uh, uh, recalibrated. Also, under the umbrella, if you have tried to picture one big happy family, gathering under the umbrella, but kids kick each other, Turkey and Greece. It doesn't matter that both of them are members of NATO. They still have their ancient uh, problems. The other point... And weekly confrontations. Right. And, and the other point is the, that um, capitals, administrations, used to look at rulers and regimes and didn't pay so much attention to populations and public opinion. And this proved disastrous because if you take the central treaty organization, the old Baghdad Pact, it fell apart when the uh, royal regime, uh, Nuri Said um, and uh, the regent Abdelillah, uh, were assassinated. Uh, General Qasim came to power, and uh, the uh, the alliance uh, was no more. So, so uh, right now, um, Washington and presumably Beijing and, and Moscow are not betting so heavily on countries which may shift their uh, regimes. Indeed. Nevertheless, when we're looking from a global perspective, uh, we see that the various influences, uh, for instance, the, the war in Ukraine, have implications here for the Middle East. Israel takes into consideration the Russian presence in Syria, which obviously has its own implications for its northern uh, considerations. But 
At the same time, we also see Turkey doing the same in trying to improve its relations with Damascus in light of its frustration with the United States over the fact that the, uh, Washington does not permit currently an invasion into Syria over uh, its own interests in mitigating, again, the Islamic State, as you mentioned, uh, in Syria proper, uh, has brought about a rapprochement between Ankara and Moscow that is now causing friction between Washington and uh, Ankara on multiple fronts that yet again will have various implications throughout the entire Middle East. Now, Mr. Uh, Etzion, I'd like to ask you about this particularly, because obviously also uh, Dr. Bones mentioned earlier uh, the East Med Forum, which we spoke about just a few minutes before the program. Uh, we see Greece and Cyprus playing a role, Italy playing a role, France playing a role in various interests of, of basically resources, offshore resources, that have quite the significant implications uh, and added value to whomever decides to partake. And we see also, of course, the United Arab Emirates uh, as an observer to this and, and uh, various other factors. But uh, when we look on uh, Turkey specifically, we see that there is a lot of shifts taking place, something that Dr. Bones again alluded to. Do you see this as something that may impact also beyond the Middle East, or is it something that will once again be hedged in this region? For that, I want to quickly respond to Dr. Bohm's last, last remark, on, and I'll, I'll make a short and broad point on uh, the relation, relation between Israel's democratic nature and its regional and, and global success and its national security. And just to illustrate the point, uh, Israel doesn't have to be a democracy in order to do business with either the UAE, the Saudi, or any other uh, country in the Middle East. Quite the opposite. We might even be able to do better uh, financially, business-wise, and so on, at least for those involved in those transactions, uh, if, we, if we won't be a democracy. There is no inherent relation between uh, doing business with these, kind, these types of regimes and uh, being a democracy. The question is, what does Israel want to be? Uh, do we want, did our Zionist forefathers come to the Middle East in order to create just another quote-unquote Levantine state, like uh, Herzl at one uh, Zionist conference dared uh, his listeners? Or do we have a different vision, uh, tied very much to democracy, to certain democratic and liberal values, and then to uh, democratic alliances? And I think uh, even though some people hate to face it, we are entering into a new era in that respect. And whereas in the past, uh, perhaps we could, uh, we could uh, ignore some of these issues or bypass them or whatnot, this is no longer the situation. And alliances are already being determined and I, I, I predict will more and more be determined uh, in direct correlation between democratic liberal values and the other national security, regional security, global security interests. This is the way the US is looking at it. This is the way our European allies are looking at it. And Israel will have no choice but to uh, make some very uh, hard choices. And I think, I think it's important to highlight, uh, Mr. Etzion, that ultimately when, uh, you are correct, but those regimes also change and under the various administrations in the West, including the That's United true. States and Europe, things may fluctuate elsewhere. That's true. 
if there is another Trumpian president in the U.S., things will will uh, will change dramatically. I agree, uh, and it, and it's a possibility. And and let me transition from that to Turkey because I think there are plenty of similarities. Uh, Turkey already underwent uh, a regime change from a democracy which was never entirely liberal, but at least it was somewhat liberal, uh, to something very different, uh, and it has damaged seriously its relations with the US under both regimes, actually, uh, democratic and, and uh, republican, and with the Europeans. Um, but Turkey has the, the privilege or the luxury of being situated in a certain geopolitical location with certain uh, historical present and future assets that uh, um, simply don't allow any of its neighbors or any of the regional global players to, to ignore Indeed. it. And, uh, and in that respect, it is different from Israel. But um, to, to the bottom line on, on your question on Turkey, I think as long as Erdogan is there, and it's hard to predict you know, how long that's going to be, we will continue to see this kind of, um, if you will, roller coaster, whereby Turkey, you know, yesterday was on the verge of active warfare with Russia, and today they're best friends, and tomorrow who's to say? Um, and I think we will simply continue to see that, uh, and it's going to continue to be a challenge to uh, decipher. Erdogan's real intentions and his real interests and so on. And Indeed. as long as he's the only one calling the shots, this will be uh, the face of Turkey. Uh, Dr. Bombs, uh, you have roughly one minute uh, for also your response and also your indication about uh, the regional perspective on the Turkey front, but also on the northern front as a whole. I think that the, there is some parallel between uh, the uh, global warming crisis uh, and the stability in the Middle East by the fact that we really begin to feel it. Uh, what we've seen in the last few years, certainly since the Arab Spring, uh, is a period of change and a period of change uh, that is happening very quickly politically. Uh, of course, you, you've uh, Mr. Ratil mentioned Turkey. We can look at Egypt. We can look at actually almost every country that they've seen a significant change uh, with regimes uh, coming and falling. Uh, and some of them, like in the case of Syria, like in the case of Libya, uh, are still far from... Uh, being um, sure of, of what will become of all of this. And that requires shifts, and that requires moving the needles. That requires understanding that you need to create some alliances. Indeed. I think that actually some of the tangible, that's also where the parallel may work, that uh, since we understand that there's some real challenges here, it has to do with energy, that has to do with water, that has to do with the fact that we need to work together with a changing ecological reality, may actually bring some people and some, some partners together, particularly on the moderate axis, saying, look, uh, we have plenty of issues on the security extremism front. Now we have these issues as well. We need to work together. Indeed. Well, this is unfortunately all the time that we have for today. So I'd like to thank Dr. Bombs, Mr. Etzion, and... Mr. Oren, for being part of today's panel, and I'd like to thank our viewers as well. We will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.